Welcome to Paris and Bazcast, where we answer your property and finance-related questions. And here's this week's topic with your hosts, Gurdev and Anmol Singh. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Paris and Bazcast, your weekly episodes where we feature new guest speakers to talk about topics that impact property management, sales, and finance, the three services we provide. The guest speaker that we have today the commercial king, the man in blue suit, very well known in the Northern Beaches, Michael Bergio from Novak Properties. Hello, Michael. Hello. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. Super keen. Oh, this will be a good converse. <laughs> it's always a pleasure having you on and always a pleasure watching you every day pretty much, Monday to Saturday. <laughs> yes. The, uh, yes, the thank you. Really appreciate 15. that. You guys are always great for that. Absolutely. So daily 15-minute uh, potion. The morning, of, uh, morning rant. So, the morning, yeah. Yeah, morning minutes uh, for, with, with yourself and Mark. So always learning well there. So the topic of discussion Hi, Jules. today, hello to everyone, to coming on. We were live on um, Facebook and Instagram. So the topic of discussion today is commercial property and uh, sort of um, diluting, I guess, the, um, the stigma around, for, especially for mum and dad investors, about buying in commercial property, uh, you know, from the experiences that we've had or the anecdotal feedback that we've had is that um, some buyers are unsure of how they would deal with the, the um, tenants that are, you know, of business nature, what are some of the things that they should be mindful of? And, uh, you know, just because it's unknown, they don't take that risk. And yeah. what we're sort of seeing is that if you had that 500000 and you're investing in residential versus commercial, we're seeing a, a lot of difference in terms of returns and potentially in the future as well. Hello, Paul. Hello to everyone coming here. I think also the clients out there, they find it a bit confusing. There's not much data out there when I'm um, transacting on commercial properties. So they all find it all a bit too hard. Yeah. So, so residential, RP data, everything or even, there. you know, real estate, you've got everything. With commercial, commercial they, they don't know how much to sold for, what's a going rate, where to invest, should we buy commercial, industrial. So a lot of, lot of question marks. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> there's a loaded question to start with. <laughs> so, uh, let's, um, <laughs> we're giving you yeah. a lot of ammunition there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So, 100% right. There's always a big hesitancy from the mum and dad investor, and they go, Should I look at commercial? Um, the, especially if they've owned a home, maybe a, a, a one or two residential properties, and they're looking, they're very equi- equity rich but they may not have the cash flow they want or they're looking for an option to have bigger cash flow because a lot of people, they, they're probably just, these are the things they go, buy commercial property, which is great for higher cash return. However, it could be vacant for two years, so don't buy commercial property. They're generally how people um, hear about what, they, what they've heard about commercial um, and they're both, they're both correct. A big uh, commercial property does give you a much higher return on investment where you can see on average, say 6%, there are strategies to get up to 8% and some properties are as low as 4%. So there's that compared to residential property, which at the moment we're seeing some at 1% yields with how, especially entry-level homes. But let's say on average residential is 2%. So straight away there, if you're looking for a high cash return, and if you're buying something for a million dollars, an extra four percent return is forty grand a year, which is six, seven, eight hundred dollars a week. 
that's basically a second income you can get from buying a commercial property compared to a residential property. So it's definitely worth investigating about it. And what you said before, the data, 100% correct. There basically is no data to get, to make it simple. Um, You've got to manually go out and get it and do your own investigation. Residential buyers, vendors, clients, they've got the the luxury of jumping on realestate.com. Every property has an address, a price. There's a lot of... um, even they have access to RP data, price finder, a lot of services that will give them an estimated price of a property and what other properties have sold for. So buyers can do their own due diligence. Typically, if you're looking in an area, if you're looking at a two-bedroom apartment, they're all they're, you can see it visually if one apartment's better to another, compare it to prices. So you can become a very, very educated buyer in residential very easily just without leaving your house or making a phone call to an agent so that that is a, that is a big um deterrent from your mum and dad residential mm-hmm. uh client going into the commercial market where they typically can't get that information and there's a couple of reasons for that agents are a little bit old school lazy shit they don't put prices on their sold ads they don't put addresses um and I think a lot of the time, that ugh, long story where that is, it just is the case. Um, yeah. And also RP data, they don't separate residential from commercial because you can have the same property, well, identical property sell for 30% less and it's got nothing to do with the market. It's the, mm. the tenant in there, the lease. So even if they invested in the graphs that we can get for residential, like one-year growth, three-year growth, medium price, it wouldn't be an accurate representation um, of the marketplace anyway. And mm. compared to like DY, for example, which would have 80 sales a month, there may only be one one or two sales commercial. So it's mm. very hard to get that information, but you can get it. You can mm. speak to and call it. I think you've got a, um, a lot of time a residential mom and dad may not want to engage an agent because they all, they're, I don't know, I haven't had the best experience. They don't want to get bombarded. With commercial property, you've got to, you're going to have to basically engage someone, engage uh, an agent like myself who is selling, who would have the access, engage a buyer's agent, mm-hmm. um, or it, they would, you're going to have to speak to someone who can pinpoint the area you want to buy and then they can dive into um, some deals and a lot of the time I find the best data source is not comparables of what sold and leased like mm-hmm. we do in residential. It's what's on the market because there could be six months gap between the same property being leased or coming up for lease that was leased and the market can change. And unlike it's, if I bring you like, if you're about to buy an office and I show you 10 comparables of an office leased at 800 a square meter, but there's three offices on the market at 400 a square meter. Well, you're not going to get 800 a square meter, even if you can tell the story that it's justified that it would get 800 a square meter when there's some on the market at 400. So a Mm. lot of your research has to be done manually and on the ground. But as we said before, the difference between buying residential and commercial can be basically 
40 grand a year, which is almost a second job, it's mm-hmm. almost, it's going to be worth educating yourself to make sure you make the right uh, investment. I'll stop there because I can keep talking. <laughs> so I think, so the, the, the research can't be done from the comfort of your home. I think you, yeah, have, to I think, dirty, yeah. you have to get on the ground. You have to do the hustle to make sure you're buying the right property. Yeah. Um, another and, and, yeah, yeah, knowing yeah. where you're buying, definitely. Another question Mark, that we always get asked is when investing in commercial property, um, how easy is it to find a tenant? Mm, um, very good question. What's the that's, lead time? It's that's always the golden question. How long does it take the fit out? Like, if you can just uh, yeah. So, what are the a things? Bit, a bit more on what, that. What should great. a commercial investor what allow is a, and for? And also, yeah, on top of that, what is the, the right property? size to the? How big should the office commercial office space be um, for a tenant? I, I know that would vary suburb to suburb and business to business, but yeah, what's your golden rule? Budget six months vacancy. It's just a factor of it. If you okay. budget six months, then you're not disappointed, and okay. you can, and they, you're not getting any curveballs. Where I see people go wrong is mm-hmm. they either go in thinking it's going to take a week to rent. They come in with the residential mindset, and yep. when it's been vacant for one or two, three months, then they start getting worried. They start dropping the rent even further, but that doesn't even mean you're going to get a tenant. Um, so budget six months. And like there, there is no, especially more uh, northern beaches may be different, especially in Northwest, the building you guys are in. Um, the best property can still take six months to rent, and a crap property can be rented in a month. Patience is one of the P's. You know how you've got price, product, promotion. Patience is another P for commercial. I've had times where I've had a shop. Let's say it was a thousand dollars a week. We dropped it to five hundred dollars a week. We got nothing. We put it back up to $1,000 a week. Two months later, we had two tenants want it in the same week. We rented it for $1,200 a week. So the timing, you've just got to budget that timing. Therefore, instead of buying something at $500,000 and leveraging yourself, buy something at $400,000 that you could um, afford, have that extra kitty there. Because where I love the strategy, you buy a vacant property over a tenanted property, but you've got a budget and you buy something cheaper. The bank may say to you, I'll lend you um, $600,000 if it's with a property, if it's with a tenant, and you may be getting a five and a half, six percent return. But you could buy that same property vacant for, say, $400,000. You have it empty for six months, which only costs you maybe 20 grand in holding costs, and then you get it rented and you're getting an 8% return. So you buy it cheaper because the reality is most properties, unless you're getting a national tenant, which you're going to be spending millions, most properties, the lease term is only going to be two or three years with an option for, say, three years. So it's probably going to be empty within three to five years anyway So you may as well start vacant, find the Mm. tenant, save yourself on the purchase price. But I understand that may be a bit scary for people who it's hard enough pinpointing what property to buy doing that Mm. due diligence, let alone can I find an agent to rent it because not always the sales agent will do the leasing of it as well. So I understand de-risk it by buying it tenanted. Your loan you may only be able to get if it's tenanted with the loan doc. Your super fund wants it tenanted, 
So there's many reasons why. But the key thing I would say to someone is you if you're going to three-year lease, uh, they're in the lease, it will, it's called an option. Now, how that clause is written, it says no sooner than three months to the end of the lease, but no earlier than six months to the end of the lease. Your tenant has to tell you if they're executing the option. So if you bought a property, it was a three-year lease with a three-year option. So halfway through the second year, they're either going to have to say to you, yes, execute, and it automatically goes to that third year. Or a lot of the time they go, um, I'm not sure, can I let you know? Where the owners make big a big error is they go, no problem. And then you come out of that three-month period. So there's two months and 15 days left of the lease. The owner has not contacted an agent to put it for lease because they're worried they're going to upset the tenant if they start marketing it before they've made a decision. But that's where it comes because what I say to my owners go, no, one, they've got a time period, they've got to allocate it. This property could take three months, but let's say it takes six months to get rented. Are you going to blow six months? You could be online and have no vacancy or are you going to wait till the last day of the lease? They And they'll probably say no because they haven't done otherwise. If they knew they were going to stay or they were confident they were going to stay, they would have taken up their option. Then they give you the keys back and then you start then and you're empty for six months. That's where a lot of people make the trouble where it's very easy to go to your tenant. Okay, fair enough. You, you're not sure if you're going to take up your option, but the properties in the area can take three to six months to rent. I cannot wait till the lease ends to start that process. So I'm going to start that process now. However, if I get an offer from somebody, I will come to you first and see if you want to take the option. And that way you start marketing it for lease, you reduce your vacancy because where people go really wrong, they buy it with a tenant, the tenant, let's say they bought a property for 600,000 with two and a half years left on the lease. They don't, they don't, they self-manage it because they think it's easy. It's one tenant. They don't do that through the option. They get the keys given back to them. Then five months passed, they haven't found a tenant. And then they, they worry, they go to the agent and just say, can you sell the property? They take a, they take an offer a lot less than what they bought it for because there is no tenant. Remember I said at the beginning, the same property tenanted 600 or you buy it mm. vacant for 400. Now they're mm. selling a 400K asset. They pay the 200K premium for a tenant. Mm. So mm. to buy under the market, the rule is if you can buy vacant and have a bit of buffer and then find a tenant, you've got mm. instant equity in the property. Mm. But make sure to yes. exercise or the option is exercised in a timely manner. And even if they're not allowing access mm. early, so yeah. that you can have a lease. And another, that's a- yeah. another question we've been asked is um, with the outgoings, which is uh, different to residential property when investing mm, and renting. This out. is a key. This so is why- if you can just elaborate more on the outgoings, who pays the outgoings in, invest, uh, in commercial property? It's, it's uh, most of the... There's two forms of it. At the end of the day, the tenant generally pays, but it's structured in two ways. You either do a net lease or a gross lease. Mm-hmm. Uh, a net lease is... Let's say you agree to pay $500 a week of rent and outgoings are $100. So the tenant will pay $500 plus GST. And when the water bill comes in, the council bill comes in, they will pay that as it goes. But in the last probably five years, and a gross lease is basically 
if the rent was $500 a week, outgoings are $100 a week, you add it up to $600 and the tenant pays the same figure each week. Most businesses and tenants will pay a gross lease. So it's key for the owner and the agent to negotiate the, uh, negotiate it separately because where owners go wrong is let's say they want 25 grand a year rent or they've spoken to an agent and they say, what's that worth? And they go 25 grand a year. Then they do a deal for 25 grand a year, but the owners negotiated it gross. So it's really 25 minus 10 grand outgoings. They're actually only getting 15. So it's key to actually everyone between the owner and the tenant or potential tenant negotiate on the same way. The best way is you negotiate with a net lease. So it's clear. Your rent's 25 grand. There's five grand of outgoings, which are council strata. So you're going to be paying 30 grand for the year. We can structure it in two ways at the tenant's request or the owner, but generally the tenant. You go, we can do it so you will get the council bills once a quarter, the strata bills, and you can pay that as you go. Or we can amalgamate it all into one figure so it's easier for you accounting-wise. That Because most tenants, they don't want to be focusing on business and they randomly get a council bill or a strata bill and they weren't budgeting it. So mm-hmm. we always start with a net lease negotiating so everyone's clear on what the rent is and what the outgoings are, but we generally convert it to a gross lease. And a lot of owners want that as well because let's say your strata, your strata bill, if your tenant's late, strata don't care, it's the tenant's supposed to pay it. They chase the owner. And you're more than likely going to own that property longer than that tenant's going to be there. So if they're always late, Strata's annoyed at the owner. So a lot of owners would prefer to make it a gross lease and they'll pay the bills because they'll pay it on time and directly. That's very, very good point. So obviously from uh, the way that the banking is happening, you know, when they're looking at late, late payments, payments yeah. that impact, that has a flow-on effect on your credit rating. I think that, correct. that keeps the landlord safe and the owner yeah. safe in that regard. That's a very good point. Mm. And also in terms of fit-out, Michael, um, when it's a vacant office, for example, and they do the fit-out, when it becomes vacant in a couple of years' time, so normally the tenant has to make due to the property and, yeah. and leave it the way it was? Mm. Or, yeah. yeah, so the way I write up our make good clause is the tenant's got to revert it back to the condition it was unless instructed by the owner because sometimes tenants do a really good fit-out and you want to keep it, basically. Um, but sometimes they do it too specialised and that would reduce the amount of people that would want to lease that property because i think a thing is as well the fit out a lot of especially if you're if you're a, if you buy a commercial property don't get caught up when tenants say to you i'm going to be spending 100 grand on the fit out i want a cheaper rent that's the biggest thing tenants will say and owners get caught up into it yeah fair enough all right i'll do a better deal the fit out is basically worthless to the owner because the next tenant may rip it all out and do it specialised. So you've given a discount to a tenant for something that you're going to no longer get any further value on. I've had times where people have fitted out a cafe, then they moved out, the next tenant was a retail shop, ripped it all out. So, But mm. a good way to counter that is you say to the own, that, that the owner or the agent will say to the tenant is, yes, but if you're going to be investing 100 grand in the fit out, 
you want the tenure of a long lease to be able to recoup profits over once you've paid for your fit out, the owner's not going to reduce the rent for that um, and make goods there. So the fit out, but also the fit out time, it's not charity. It's not if you're fit. So offices are quite minimal fit outs generally. So a good agent and a knowledgeable owner, you get a plan of what they plan to do. And then you'll know, is that a week's worth of work? Is that two months worth of work? And then you can base it accordingly. Most of the time on like a retail shop fit out, it would be one or two months free rent at the lease. So basically any new lease with a commercial tenant, they are getting free rent basically to get set up because you don't want them starting on the backwards foot. You can imagine if you were opening a business and you had to pay rent before you even, let's say you're a, a coffee shop. If you had to start paying rent before you could sell coffee, you're not starting in a good position. So there is a rent-free period there. Desi- it's, it's the reason it's designed to allow you to do your fit out, have your doors open and get up and running, and then you pay rent. Not to basically be six months into your business plan and then when you feel like you're making enough money to start paying rent. So a lot of people get confused with that. So rent freeze, there's no set formula because a good agent and a smart owner will look at what you're doing. Like I've had plenty of deals where they're not doing a fit out. They're walking in, putting up clothes racks. That's it. No fit, no free rent. Mm-hmm. So that all depends so on So it's the, very the important usage. to have a knowledgeable agent That's what it's coming down in commercial to. property. So you've got to rely on the agent heavily, but you yeah. also got to do your own groundwork research before yeah. investing because it's not at your fingertips. But the benefits are, you know, depending I, on what your strategy yeah. is and if you are diversifying your portfolio, if, you, if you're trying to you know, test the waters between the different asset classes, mm. uh, I see a lot of benefits. I mean, if I, was, if I had 500000 of my money, yeah. Uh, where I would invest is in the way that we're seeing the commercial offices in the West yeah. right now. They are selling like you know very good rates. Very good rates. They're medical professionals that are buying. So you've got that even through the pandemic, you've got that uh, surety of uh, tenancy. Um, and yeah, that's where we're seeing a lot of the the benefits. So there you go. Anything else? Any final words before we finish? Hello to uh, Craig. Said hello to us. Hi, Craig. <laughs> No, that sort of covers it. Like commercial is great. Just do your research. and mm. But the, the research has to be done. So either you do it or engage a buyer's agent to do okay. it. But also I think one thing that people don't utilize at all in commercial is engaging a commercial valuer. So if you're looking to buy a property, because in residential, it's sort of just like a lot of valuations. They don't even go to the property. It's just, it's just done. But it's a good part of due diligence where if you're going to be buying something for half a million dollars, a million dollars, it's worth spending $1,000 on a commercial valuer because they're going to actually call all agents who have sold properties. They will get a full report to you, which will tell you the yields properties sell similar. They will tell you the market rent for that. So you can judge if the rent's inflated. And what we mean by that is... If everything in the, if all the shops are rented at $400 a square meter and you're buying one that's at 800 a square meter on a yield, you're basically paying double. So it's very useful to get a commercial valuation, part of your due diligence, even before you've exchanged on it, just to get some box ticked. There's no shortcuts to do it. You, you can sort of get lucky or you know, because even when I've seen people just buy something that looks good on face value 
it may not be. So, mm, yeah. You've got, to, you've got to do that. And even I think I was hearing, uh, depending on the, the, the lease that is currently in, in the property, so if it's like a, a national tenant, they might have a different uh, structure of the different lease yeah. and the new person coming in, uh, you've got to allow for that variance in rent compared to what you were getting with a different, you know, a, a use and what you could be getting the, for the next time. So yeah, lot good of, point yeah. there. Just quickly, because a lot of people love to look at a property that's had the same tenant for 20 years in a property because mm. it sounds good, they're secure. But the yeah. risk there is, let's say 20 years ago, they started at $20,000 a year and they've had fixed increases Yes. Every year, they've never complained. So their rent could be up to like $65,000 a year, but the market rent for that shop or property could be $40,000 a year. So you look at it going, yep, great tenant. They've been there 20 years, 65 grand, but then they move out in two years and the new rent's 40000 because it's heavily inflated. So yeah. it's you've always got to check um, sale rates per square metre, rental rates per per square metre and yields. Even, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a big thing. That's, yeah, that's a goal. So, yeah, any any questions at all, feel free to. We've tagged Michael in here. Yeah. Uh, where he's our go-to man for, for all things commercial, so we're always reaching out to him, asking questions. But thank you very much for joining us. Um, and, yeah, do feel free to ask any questions afterwards as well. We'll be happy to answer them for you. Thank you very Good much on. for watching. We'll see you guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to our channel for weekly episodes. See you guys next time.